Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you wanna tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern day Asian American woman. My name is Helen. I'm Janet. I'm Mel. And I'm Cassie. We have on today's pod our friend Cassie Ho, whom some of you listening out there may know as Blogilates. She's a fitness mogul, a serial entrepreneur, and a true Asian boss girl. Cassie started her journey to make a name for herself in the world of fitness as a Pilates instructor, teaching her signature format Pop Pilates for over 14 years now. Since then, she has certified thousands of instructors to teach a class in gyms across the world, and with over 4,000 live in-studio classes being taught every month, Pop Pilates is now the official Pilates class of 24-hour fitness gyms. You would think that having built a fitness class like Pop Pilates is accomplishment enough, but we've barely scratched the surface here. Cassie is the CEO and head designer of a gorgeous collection of activewear and gym gear called PopFlex Active with a tagline of workout, but make it cute. She started a fitness app called Body by Blogilates that provides hundreds of free full-length workout videos and fun challenges to help people get into the best shape of their lives, mentally and physically. She's hit the jackpot of everyone's merchandising dreams. As of December 2020, her Blogilates line is in targets nationwide. It's no wonder that in 2017, she was listed in Time's third annual list of the most influential people on the internet award and has been on the cover of Women's Health and Shape magazine, amongst others. Thank you so much for being on our podcast, Cassie. Yay! I'm so excited to be on Asian Boss Girl. I love you guys. (laughs) Oh, thank you. We are so excited to have you on. And with you, Cassie, you are honestly one of the most accomplished people that I know and admire because you've really built your business from ground up. You are the child of Vietnamese immigrants. I understand that at the age of 16, you know, you told your dad that you wanted to be a fashion designer. And in response, he told you you would fail, you would make no money, and you would have no friends. You 
did not grow up naturally lean and fit. And I'm sure that played into your self-image, which we will talk about more later. But you're also a minority, an Asian, which sad to think, but growing up, Asians were an anomaly in the mainstream fitness world. But somehow you beat so many odds and overcame so many obstacles to become one of the top fitness instructors out there with a thriving and diversified business. So I am super excited to share your story with our listeners today. And I want to start, I want to start way back. Let's go back to your childhood growing up in the Bay Area. What was that like? And also, do you remember the moment in your youth when you wanted to become the fashion designer that you mentioned to your dad at the age of 16? Okay, so man, childhood really sculpts you to who you end up becoming. Um, So I actually grew up in Southern California and Northern California, but I remember growing up in SoCal and just like not even really knowing I was Asian because I was just surrounded by white classmates. And the moment I actually realized that was when I moved up to the Bay Area and went to my first school assembly and like had a culture shock because everyone had like dark hair. It was Mm -hmm. like that. And I was like, whoa, hold on. Like that just felt really weird to me. And it was in middle school and high school, more high school, that I started to lean into my Vietnamese and Chinese identity. Um, But, you know, it's interesting because I feel like a lot of the insecurities I have now really do trace back to my upbringing in a mostly like white community and stuff like that. But I was super ashamed of like having lunches that look different than my friends. I was super ashamed of anytime my mom would speak to me in Vietnamese in front of my friends. Like, like I would pretend like I wouldn't understand her. Like, what are you saying? Mm -hmm. And I was ashamed of their accents. And it's like really sad to think that, but you know, Growing up without people looking like you, as a kid, all you want is to fit in. So, um, you know, that was a part of my childhood. Another part was I grew up really chubby and I didn't realize I was even fat until I went to a family party and this kid cousin or something like pointed her finger at me and she's like, why are you so fat? While I was like mid eating something, of course, Mm. um, And then I just ran to the bathroom and I just started crying. And that was the moment I realized there's something wrong with me. Or at that moment, I thought there was something wrong with me. And it became that was the beginning of me becoming really um, obsessed with the way that I looked. And, Mm -hmm. you know, of course, this obsession turned into something else. And eventually, like my career later on and how to help other women find the best, fittest versions of themselves. But a lot of this stuff really does start with uh, childhood trauma. Just hearing that brings back, I feel like, a lot of, like, childhood trauma for me as well. And I think a lot of people probably felt that way with people just making these, like, offhand comments. And they they stick with you. They stick with you for such a long period of time. I think the fact that you were able to turn that into something where you can help other women is amazing. And I'm glad that, you know, that's the path that you kind of took took with that. The um, The other question that we wanted to ask you was, when in your youth did you realized that you wanted to become a fashion designer was it from that moment as well or was it from a separate a separate moment yeah you know it's interesting because in my life things always happen in parallel and integrate so when I'm telling my story it's so hard because I forget what happened first and after but my um love for design and sketching came at a really really early age like I started 
holding a sketchbook when I was like six. And I was just like doodle things all the time. And I knew in my heart that all I ever wanted in the entire world was to become a fashion designer. And Mm -hmm. my parents like knew that, but they thought I would just grow out of this phase. So like, you know, when it came to time for thinking about the SATs and college admissions, I was like, oh, I want to go into science school. I want to do all this. Meanwhile, taking like AP classes for Mm -hmm. physics, bio, you know, all that stuff. Right. So they were like, I don't understand. Like, you have great grades. You can get into pretty much any school that you want, and you want to go to design school. And so my dad was straight up said to me, and I so remember it. It's been burned in my memory at this point. But you will not make it. You'll make no money. And then you're going to have no friends. He really had to add in the no friends part because he really thought that was related to status and money. And anyway, Mm. it was really hurtful, and um, I ended up, being like, okay, I'm just going to listen to my parents. I didn't hit my rebellion phase until later in life. So I decided to just go for um, bio major. Okay, put my head down, be a doctor, because he was like, either going to be doctor, lawyer, or, you know, something else. And I'm already an engineer. That field is not exciting. And I wasn't really great with reading comprehension. So he's like, you're going to do doctor stuff because your grades in science are good. So Mm -hmm. I was going to go to UC Berkeley, actually. And I was already, like, signed up for everything, ready to go in the fall. And then last minute, um, I remember that I had already earned this Fulbright scholarship to Whittier College for biology, like, earlier in the year when I was, like, you know, signing up for scholarships and stuff like that. And I was like, I just feel like taking – just doing something a little bit different. Like, all my friends are going to Berkeley. Like, this is going to sound weird, but because when you're in, like, that AP honors group, like, for us, UC Berkeley was, like, the safe school. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, I don't know. So, anyway, I didn't want to be – I just wanted to, like, get out. I didn't want to, like, see the same people. I just mm. wanted to, like, be somewhere else. So I decided to go to L.A., go to Whittier College last minute and um, and get a degree in bio. And, you know, I just totally hated that. I hated going to chem class and bio class and physics because my heart was dying inside. All I wanted was to draw and sketch. And so I kept doing that in the outlines, you know, on the sidelines of Mm -hmm. my notebook. It never left me. And, um, you know, more storylines will integrate here. But that's also when my Pilates thing started, too. Dang. I think it says a lot that you decided to go to Whittier, even though getting to Berkeley. And I feel there's, I feel there's mm-hmm. a lot of pressure, too, when the AP setting where everyone's like talking about what school you're going to and what your grades are going to like, what your grades reflect. Um, and it also sounds like design was always something that did you just couldn't leave and separate from even though going even though you're going to chem and bio classes. Um, did you feel like a sense of guilt because you had this full ride scholarship? Your dad said all these things to you like. What was going through your mind as you're like, you know, trying to pursue your degree? Because I, from my understanding, you also graduate with a degree in bio. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. So the whole college experience was really tough for me emotionally because on one end, I'm really trying to excel in my classes. Cause that's just been ingrained in my mm-hmm. body. Like there is no it's either be the best or like there's no other options. You just have to be the best. So I was like studying so hard with the mind, but not, it wasn't there in the heart. And I'm like someone who's so full of passion. If I can't live my life passionately, then, you know, Mm. I don't even want to live at all. And like, honestly, it got so bad that like during college, I like had really dark thoughts. Like if I can't make my parents happy and I can't make myself happy, then like maybe I shouldn't make nobody happy. Like it it really Mm. got there. And, um, so I was in my junior year having a lot of guilt for this definitely because I, I felt like I just couldn't do things right in my heart. 
and for my parents who have like sacrificed so much mm-hmm. for me, right? Like my mom uh, was a boat person in 1975, like didn't eat for seven days and seven nights. Her boat was pirated on her way to Malaysia. And then she escaped Vietnam because she wanted to give her future children a chance at success. Like mm-hmm. she sacrificed a lot and all and for them. It was like, all we're asking you is to be a doctor get a good income, bring status to our family, and then you can draw and stuff on the side. And, like, they really were trying to um, make it work for me. And, you know, and I'm jumping all over the place, but it wasn't until later on in my life, like now, that I realized my parents weren't trying to torment me. They were trying to just help me find financial stability, mm. which is something they didn't have. Because, like, growing up, my my mom would wake up at 3 a.m., work at Safeway on her feet all day, decorating cakes so that she could get off at work at 2 p.m. to pick me and my sister up. Like, they had a hard life. And, like, my dad was trying to get his master's degree at night while also working an engineering job with racism. Like, it was a lot going on. And so I get it now, but back then I didn't. When in college, I felt like I had no choice. The only thing I knew how to do, because my parents wasn't listening to me. I kept telling them, I don't want to do this. Like, it doesn't matter. You're going to do it. And it's funny because they were like, okay, well, if you don't want to be a medical doctor, then how about like a pharmacist? Oh, you don't want to do that? How about an optometrist? <laughs> okay, you don't want to do that? How about a dentist? They just kept going and going and going. And then at, they like they ended it at naturopathic doctor. <laughs> um, and then and I, I, I went to a seminar just to like appease them. But uh <laughs> The last thing I could do was I decided to sabotage myself and my timeline. And so it was my junior year. The last class I needed to take the MCAT was going to be organic chemistry. And the only thing I could do to, like, let them hear what I'm saying, like, how unhappy I was to drop out was to drop out of organic chemistry and just, like, ruin my entire timeline. And that's what I did. And, like, they got so upset. And for me, this was the beginning of my rebellion moment, which most people, it happens in high school or earlier or when they're 13. (laughs) But that was my moment. And um, that was the beginning of our relationship becoming really, really rocky. And I eventually did graduate with an honors in bio, whatever. I finished that. But then um, I applied for any job that I could, like remotely close to fashion, because that's where I wanted to go. And um, yeah, that's what happened after that. How did you just drop out of, I mean, that sounds like a, a class I wouldn't want to take anyway, but like, yeah, how no. did you just get yourself to drop out of it? Like, what did you do instead? Did you replace it with a different class that was more aligned with what you wanted it to do? Uh, let's see. I, I don't remember my schedule, but because it was a liberal, liberal arts college, I think I took some weird class that was open at that time because nothing else, like everything was taken. Probably took something like French cinema, like just like whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but wow. you just, I mean, I just like, I, I don't know. I probably went to admissions is like, I'm not doing this class anymore. And so I you just, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. You just followed your gut there. I did. And so I still no longer, I don't qualify to take the MCAT. (laughs) You know what's interesting though? I'm really interested in nutrition. And like, I feel like had I been like, Mm. had I realigned my goals back then and knew that I was going to get into this stuff Mm. later on with Blogilates, I wish I had a registered dietitian. Like I want that under my name. That'd be really cool. Mm. And so anyway, I looked like a couple months ago, oh, how hard would it be to do that? And of course the class they have on there is organic chemistry. (laughs) (laughs) How ironic. I so know. Funny. I should have listened to my parents. <laughs> so that's what happened. But college was also when I discovered Pilates. And I know, mm. I'm again, I'm jumping all over. But it was in college that I was, like, feeling so rock bottom, like, just in my heart that I decided to um, – I was, like, working out a little bit more, doing Pilates. And then, like, in the 
dorm hall, people, other girls were like, oh, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, this is called Pilates. And they had, like, never seen that before. And I used to, my parents bought me the Mari Windsor DVD. I don't know if you guys remember. There were, like, a million infomercials on that, like, back in the day, like, in high school. Anyway, I bought, I had my parents buy it for me. So I would do Pilates in my bedroom just by myself with Mari Windsor. And so um, that really inspired me. So I had started doing that around 16 years old as well. And continued to do that in college and then started teaching kind of my friends and my dorm mates. And then I was on Craigslist. Um, loved Craigslist. Well, loved Craigslist. <laughs> I'm getting really creepy. But I found a lot of jobs on there. One of the, mm. my first jobs I found on there was, uh, we are looking for a Pilates instructor at our gym. And it was for in downtown, uptown Whittier. And I was like, okay, I'm going to audition, even though I'm not certified, but I'm going to audition anyway, whatever. So I went to the audition and the gym owner actually really liked what she saw. And she's like, okay, great. Can I see your cert? And I was like, yeah, so about that, I don't have that. And then I am so lucky because Avalia, that's her name, who started that gym, she paid for my certification. And had she not done that, I think it really would have changed the course of, like, the rest of my storyline at that moment. Oh. Yeah. So in college, I started teaching Pilates at this local gym, like, really tiny, like, two or three people at a time, just getting, like, my feet wet. I was probably really terrible looking back now. Um, but it started to fill my heart in a way that nothing had been filling my heart at that moment in college. And so when I told my parents how happy I was, they were like, you need to quit immediately. Like you were wasting your time. Like how much are you getting paid? It was like 1250 an hour, like nothing. And then they were like, stop, you need to study more physic, like stop, stop, stop. I didn't listen to them. I'm so glad I did it because that helped me, you know, prepare for the rest of my career. So yeah, that's when Pilates started. Wow. So lesson learned that we should have listened to our parents for OCHEM, but not if they're telling us to quit <laughs> fitness instruction. You know, it's hard. Yeah. No, I mean, Cassie, I know you keep saying that you're going all over the place, but honestly, mm -hmm. I think that is that is a part of what it is to reflect on our childhood. And for a lot of children who come from immigrant families, a lot happens. And I have the same experience when I reflect back on my childhood. I'm like, mm -hmm. the events, because I'm connecting them in different ways, so it's not always chronological. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, but everything you've shared has been so rich in helping our listeners understand where you're coming from. Um, and I see this thread of like this really hardworking woman who mm -hmm. is feeling the tension of, you know, wanting to to serve their family and and do what's right. But then also like so vigilant about pursuing what you personally feel like turns you on and lights up, mm -hmm. your life, you know, like that the Pilates and and the um, and the sketching. Mm -hmm. um, how did you, so you started teaching Pilates and then eventually you turned this into an online business while you were in college. Is that right? Yeah. So, so I'm going to add in one more thing that happened. Lots yes, happened please. during college. So, you know, I met Sam during college, like lots happened during college. Wow. Um, so basically as I was teaching, I noticed that I had this problem and, you know, back then when CDs were a thing, I would have to carry my yoga mat, my CD, my keys, my water bottle, like, and my towel, like, all in my hands like this. There wasn't anything cute to hold everything. And so I was like, oh my gosh, what if I designed a cute yoga bag to hold my mat and like all my essentials for class? So I went to downtown LA and bought some like scrap fabrics and put together something really cute and glam because you know, that's how I am. And then I brought my yoga mat bag with like these gold straps and like this big bow to class. And my students were like, oh my gosh, that's so cute. I want one. So that was the beginning of my first like fitness, fashion design ever. Um, and then 
around the same time, I also met Sam, and it was funny because obviously, like, we should I go into that story? This is so many yeah, stories. I want okay, okay, I want okay, to hear okay, about how okay. you met Sam and how that I, plays. Yeah, I think that's important because I think maybe a lot of Asian girls like listening to this can understand this too. So my okay, look, my dad was like hovering over my academic life, like. Like, basically, like, playing chess with my academic life. Oh, my gosh, you guys, this is so terrible. But he actually called my professors in school and, like, asked how, how I was doing. So embarrassing. Like, mm. one of my marketing professors said, a, a, a business minor, he brought me aside. He's like, Kathy, I need you to know this, but, like, your dad, like, just called and, like, asked for a status update. Like, it was so embarrassing. Um, anyway, oh so that goodness. was my dad. I know, it was cringe. And then my mom, on the other hand, was like like mother tiger over my love life. And, like, from a small age, she always said, boys were bad. You can't touch them. You can't kiss them. Um, don't do anything with them. And you cannot have a boyfriend until second year of college. Like, so, like, I don't know why the second year of college thing, but, like, whatever. <laughs> so I, prescriptive. I, yeah. yeah. So prescriptive. I had a... <laughs> secret boyfriend in high school we guys we didn't do anything like I swear we, we held hands that's all we did Aww. she straight up forced me to break up with him while listening on the phone oh no she's like, listening wow. on your phone calls that's the worst like, how did she find out <laughs> I I I think I might have been acting a little bit differently like you know like go uh you know biking somewhere at a random time on a Saturday you know <laughs> and I remember me and him were just like hanging out under a tree at the park and I saw her van circling <gasps> oh my gosh yeah scary oh, wow. I know I just think about it I'm like, oh my god! It's like I think we like tried to lay flat, like grass. Like, okay. Anyway, where was the story going? I forget. Oh yeah, um, things that happened in college. Uh, Sam. Yes. Sam. So, yes. so Sam. Sam was third year of college, so I thought I was in the clear. <laughs> so I, um, I had gotten like a B minus or something on a finance test, and um, I wanted to go see the tutor because I really wasn't understanding what this was all about. And it happened to be Sam. And we just like naturally like, you know, began talking and then dating and things like that. And that's how that happened. But I remember when I brought him home for the first time. It's so funny because we just posted a comic about this today on Bloggy Comics. Um, that is all true. So basically, I brought Sam home for the first time. My mom and dad like looked at him and my mom started crying and she ran into the bedroom and slammed the door. And oh I was goodness. like, what is happening, right? Like, what is happening? And so I left Sam with my dad for, like, over an hour, which is scary because it's my dad. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, just meeting a, a, anyone's dad is scary, but, like, my dad is next level. I left him there, and then I went to go, like, uh, consult my mom to see what was going on. And, like, diving back now much deeper, I think I'm trying to still figure that out. I think it's because she felt like she had lost her daughter or something like that, like her best friend, and, like, maybe that's what the crime was about, but it was – it was a lot. So anyway, that was a whole parents moment um, that I wanted to share. Cassie, for for Sam, like, mm -hmm. did your parents eventually come around to accept him? And like, when did that happen? It has. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's really interesting because I thought that when we were going to get married, this like weird stuff would end. But like, I remember like planning the wedding and like how like, distant my parents were getting they just like kept like getting more and more distant as Sam and I were getting closer and closer and so I think now today we've been married 
three years now. Um, it's definitely better. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's not where it was when we were getting married. Cause I think that was like the second moment of, you know, mom crying and running into the bedroom situation, but she mm. didn't do that. But I could feel that stuff like that was happening inside her and my dad. Um, because he, it was so interesting because Sam and I had been together for 10 years before we got married. And I still remember when I like told my dad that we had gotten engaged and he said something really weird. He was like, Great. Um, now I'm gonna get to know Sam. I was like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. Like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so now, now, now they they accept him. I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And this is like, and is it is it because? Okay, I'm just gonna ask this. Is this because yeah. they wanted you with an Asian person or someone who's maybe Vietnamese Chinese background? You know, they had like sort of like my mom had like sort of said that like. Yeah. When I was growing up, she'd be like, oh, great if you like, got married to like a like a Vietnamese doctor or something like that. Mm -hmm. But then she's also really extreme, and she'd be like, would also be great if you could try to get Prince Harry. Oh so, goodness. yeah, she, my mom's just really extreme, so I don't know when to take her seriously. But um, I don't know how much that would play a role. Um, but since we've like gotten married, our parents have gotten close together. Sam comes mm -hmm. from a Jewish family, and they actually – immigrated as well um, to escape persecution. And so it's been nice to see both of our parents like relate over that, mm. even though they come from two totally separate backgrounds. Mm. I like we've had some dinners together and they really do um, feel for each other, you know, yeah. going to a new place with zero money, no friends, don't know the language and having to start anew. Yeah, relating mm -hmm. over the the immigrant experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I'm gonna go back to college when I <laughs> understand. The reason why I bring that up is because um, the first YouTube video I ever posted. The first YouTube video I ever posted was actually at Sam's parents' house, and this was actually a few months after I had graduated, and we were at his house in Fullerton. And we thought, oh, wouldn't it be fun if we filmed a video and, like, maybe just put the yoga bag in the background. Like, maybe somebody will, will like that. So back in the day when YouTube had – I forget what they are called. Were they called, like, annotations or something? Mm -hmm. You could, like, make them pop up? Okay. We put an annotation that was, like, buy me. It's so cute or something like that. <laughs> we never thought that Blogilates was going to take off for the fitness part. We always thought, like, oh, fitness is just going to be, like, for fun, but really it was going to be about the bag. And then it became about the fitness. So that that's how Blogilates started in 2009. Wow. So that's so interesting. So it was led by like, I mean, I guess that one of the, the takeaways of the story is like you, um, what you intend may not be the thing that kind of lifts it off, but it will come full circle. I know. It's kind of crazy. And it, like, like with everything I'm talking about, there was always like a dual something going on mm -hmm. at this time also. I was moving cross country from LA to Boston mm -hmm. for my first job. And mm -hmm. my students at the gym were like, Cassie, how are you going to stay in touch with you? Because nobody else was teaching mm -hmm. pop Pilates at the time, which is Pilates to pop music. Back then it was all like classical music, really mm -hmm. slow, but I'm all like, I love dancing. So like, oh, let's do like crunches to the beat of the music. It was just really fun. And so that video also was for my real life students to stay connected with me if they ever miss doing pop Pilates. And it's so interesting because that's always been the essence and the heart of Vlogilates. It's connecting with people. And so I think that's one of the main reasons why Vlogilates is still around. Like 2009 till now 2022, that's a really long time. And to be able to continue going through all of these like platform changes and like you know, there's like a new hot influencer every other month. Like 
you know, it's interesting because it goes back to wanting to be a teacher, wanting to really share um, and spread joy through fitness that really makes it sustainable. That is beautiful. Did you do you feel like there was a moment where you realized that that was the core mission? I think it like came over time, but like I I just know that like when you're teaching group fitness classes in a live setting, people come back to your class not because of like how well you taught them to do a crunch, it's because they they love you. And mm-hmm. so the connection is always going to be what it's about. And so I think even for me, because I'm just a naturally bubbly person when I'm talking about my nails or when I bought this new oat milk at Trader Joe's, like those are the things that like maybe make people come back to the videos because it's more human. It's more real. And it's like, okay, if you're like super girly like me, like I'll, I might vibe for you, but that might be too much for some other people, but I'm not going to stop like leaning into being me because that's just who I am. Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than a leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With free and gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. So Cassie, you walked us through um, teaching the Pilates classes and then meeting Sam and creating um, the bag and that you started uploading to YouTube. Mm -hmm. Can you walk us through maybe some like big pivotal milestones or movements and when you knew that this was going to be a career for you? Yeah, I can. So I think I have to do this like in parallel, like the fashion side of things and the YouTube side of things, because they really do happen hand in hand. So after college, I graduated and moved to Boston um, and I worked for this huge company and in their fashion buying program because it was the closest I could get to fashion while 
because no desi- no de- actual like designer would hire me because I don't have a design like degree or background or anything. So fashion buying was the closest I could get. And um, during this time, I was let's see, how do I talk about this? There's so much going on at once. I guess um, during this time, I was really unhappy at the job because it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Like the culture wasn't right. Like nothing was right, and I wasn't doing what I loved. And it was a lot actually a lot more analytical than I thought it was going to be. So um, before I had left for Boston, I had mailed out some of my yoga bags to certain magazines and each bag was like gold to me because I didn't have that many at all. So I mailed out some, you know, the shapes, the self, the fitness magazines, and just like hoping someone might pick it up. And so eight months into the job, I'm sitting at my desk, just like just hating life, like just can't live anymore basically and then I get a text from my sister and it's like a picture of my yoga bag like on some glossy page of a magazine and I was like what is this and then she's like this is you in shape magazine right now and I was like what because I'm like some no-name nothing whatever like college student like whatever and so I took my lunch I drove out to Target and I started flipping through Shape Magazine super, super quick. And then I um, I couldn't find it the first time because it was so fast. So I did it again. And then the moment I saw my bag, I straight up like just fell down on the floor, like crying. And I was like, this is a sign. This is a sign mm-hmm. for me to like follow my dreams and like do what I need to do. So within like a couple weeks uh, of seeing that, I, I resigned from my job. I bought a ticket to China on like a Friday and left on Sunday. And I was like, I am going to go to the Canton Fair. That's like one of the biggest like supplier uh, conferences in the world. Find a manufacturer and like, I'm going to go hard because my whole thing is if you don't give yourself a chance to succeed, you'll never know. And I don't want to live a life of regret like ever. I would rather fail hard, fall on my face than say what if. Like, I don't want to, I, I still want to live a what if life. So um, I did that. And, you know, after coming back from China, having found a manufacturer, there was a whole development process. And I had no job. And actually, Sam and I, we had broken up at that time, too. So he left Boston. I'm now in this apartment with no income um, when we used to have two and no, like nothing. So I started teaching Pilates 12 times a week to make ends meet. I started recording YouTube videos because I was bored in between those class times and stuff. And I look back at Boston as such an important time of my life because it trained me to be such a good Pilates instructor. And also it was my training grounds for making YouTube videos more like seriously too. Um, and so that's that. So getting a shape magazine was one of the first pivotal moments. Um, the second pivotal moment, um, I remember was when Bub's Beauty shared one of my videos and then I noticed like my subscribers grow up, go up that day. And I thought that was really cool because like really cool people were actually doing it, not just random <laughs> all over the world. And then I think the third, like really, really big one was Facebook was the only social media platform at that point um, besides YouTube. And I had posted like something and fans were saying, oh, like we want a shirt that says Blogilates on it. And I was like, why would you want like my screen name on a shirt? Like, why would you wear that? And so we had like a little design contest and then you know, fans turned into designs and Sam and I were like screen printing these ourselves. Oh yeah, at this point we were still broken up, like trying to get back together. I mean, it was messy. Anyway, so uh, we we made these shirts and 
the moment we posted it, it like sold out like immediately just through a Facebook post. And that was the moment I knew, okay, I think merchandising and designing is going to become a thing. And it's been Mm -hmm. so beautiful to like grow my Pilates and fitness career in parallel with my fashion uh, business. And it's so beautiful that YouTube and just the internet has allowed me to come back to my original childhood passion, which is fashion design. So I'm always so grateful for for YouTube because it wouldn't have happened without YouTube. Dang, I think hearing your story, Cassie, I mean, especially when you share the one Jacqueline sent you the text of finding your bag in shape and then falling to the floor and crying, like it makes really emotional because I think a lot of people can relate to the fact that like trying to appease their parents, especially when they went through such hard times, but something deep inside your soul is like telling you this is something else is out there for you. And that moment of like, look at my bag in the magazine. It, it's true. Like, I don't want to say like, miracles, but these moments of, I don't want to say divine intervention, but like something like that in the world is like telling you signs to to show you what you're meant to do in this world. I'm really happy you had that moment with the internet, with that one Facebook post, like grow your business and your brand. And to be honest, as someone that I, I followed, you know, I did vlog a lot of these in my dorm too. And like <laughs> I had a lot of people, like when I was a senior, a lot of freshmen would do your, your calendars, your workouts uh-huh. to see how far you come and grown. It's amazing. And now even myself as an entrepreneur, I see you do so much and do it with such grace and also just kill it in the industry too. So I feel like you wear so many different hats, like, you definitely run your Instagram account. You now have a TikTok, a YouTube channel, get your fitness class on your plate. Um, how do you, like, I guess, how do you, I guess I'm switching it over now to, like, as an entrepreneur, how do you focus on all these different lines of businesses um, oh under Blog Lotties? Can it, do you mind it's, walking us through also a typical day in your life? Yeah, definitely. Okay, first of all, thank you so much for following and doing the workouts. And that's so cool that you saw people following the calendars too. Like, I love hearing those things. Um, Yeah, my life is like crazy. I don't get enough sleep and it's terrible because living a healthy life isn't just like healthy eating and exercise. Sleep is a really big component. And I think a lot of people don't realize that maybe they are kind Mm -hmm. of now because mental wellness is becoming more of a thing. But like actual literal sleep you need that like you can like I when I was younger I used to like work out at 12 a.m. like just to get my workout in to burn you know fat burn calories and like eat really healthy and I didn't like see any changes in my body because you weren't I wasn't resting so it's so Mm. important for me to live what I say and I'm currently not because I don't have balance in my work life okay but I do work out every morning but I need to figure out how to sleep more anyway what I'm saying is that every day my life is super different but um a Big majority of my time is spent on Poplex and the design and the development of new products. And right now, our team has gotten to the best place it's ever gotten to. And I'm really just, I'm so grateful for the people around me at this moment because they're smart. They come from great backgrounds. We just made a huge hire with a former Spanx executive. So she's helping us with like our development. Like, so it's like, real real and I'm like that was scary like there's a lot of like new things I'm like jumping into right now that just feels so like it's like exhilarating but it's also like I was having these dreams oh I talked to Helen about it I talked to Helen about it over um IGDM and I kept having these dreams where these like waves were like engulfing me like for nights in a row and I was like could not figure it out then Helen was like oh, but did you die? And I was like, no, I didn't. Yeah, something to that like degree. And I was like, I did. She's like, great. It means you're going to survive this. It's going to be fine. Mm. It's like, oh yeah, you're right. So I, I stopped having those dreams and things have been like 
um, feeling like more in control now, but pretty much every day is spent, um, in quite a lot of meetings about design and development. I'm sketching something new. Like we're already, we're designed out through December, 2022 and working on 2023 right now. Um, we're talking about different categories of business. And so that excites me so much it just gets me going I can't stop talking about it which is also another problem that I have so Sam and I need to work on that because we need to work on our human husband wife relationship too (laughs) not just talk about like new strategies all the time um but yeah it's it's a lot of that and we just had our first company retreat like last week and that was really cool because never before had we dedicated time to working on the business instead of in the business with our team every day we're just surviving and like trying to like get through the next launch get to the next sale or something like that um figuring the next like set of youtube videos uh but we did that i feel like everyone's super aligned we have like a common mission we all get it and we really respect one another and like i'm so grateful for this because just like five maybe less four four or five years back um I was about to quit everything, like everything, everything. I wanted to end Blogilates, end pop, like literally end everything, move to Hawaii and just be like that phase of my life is over. And the reason why I felt that way is because I didn't have the right people in place. Like I was walking into the office like and then having like my heart would like beat irregularly and then I had trouble breathing. Like that's like the environment. It got so toxic that I didn't want to be at my own job anymore Mm. at the company that I own because I had the wrong people in place. But we, you know, those people are gone now and we have people that are just truly amazing. And so I wouldn't be able to accomplish what I'm, you know, doing right now without everyone's help and expertise. But even so we're looking to hire more because the interesting with me is that maybe it's the way my parents brought me up, but it's like, Oh, if I'm not constantly challenging myself, then 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 I'm like I'm not doing enough. And I know like there's a whole conversation with like productivity and self-worth. But right right now, maybe it's unhealthy, but my self-worth is like related to my productivity. So I need to figure that out. But yeah, um, so we're planning a lot for the future, but it's fun and it's a lot and it's hard to film TikToks in between all of that, too. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wait, Cassie, how many people do you have? It, first off, I'm so glad to mm-hmm. hear that those toxic team members are gone from your life. I think the last time we like really talked in person, that was like mm-hmm. something that was on your mind and you were trying to figure out where to go where to, or how to shift. Um, but I'm curious, like how many people are on your team right now? And do you have a head of Instagram, head of TikTok? Because you are still the face of the company. So you still have to be involved in every single platform. Is there someone sort of like telling you what to do now or are you and you're just like strategizing at the top? Yeah, so I'm strategizing at the top. We have a head of product development and we have a design team. So that's like very much in place. Um, but there is definitely no head of Instagram or TikTok or whatever. Like I I am everything blog Lotties is me. Like everything you read and like see created, like I edit everything. Um, I wish I didn't have to. Um, oh, not on YouTube though, but on TikTok and Instagram. Like I, I do everything for that. We do have an editor for YouTube stuff, but honestly, like right now, YouTube's not exciting me too much. I think most people feel that way. Um, Mm. And it's so interesting that when we started, YouTube was short form content. Now YouTube is long form content. It's just like so Mm. insane. Um, But going back to how many people are on our team, we have 10 full time people on our team with benefits and everything like that. 
And then we probably work with around 20 to 30 different contractors, like all over the world. So that's what it's looking like right now. And I'm also, I just have to do a plug for Upwork because if there are any entrepreneurs listening to this right now and you're just having a really hard time um, finding people to work with because it is scary to hire someone without having actually worked with them. I love Upwork to, as a way of finding freelancers and then like kind of getting a vibe for people's workflow. And then if you really like them, you can make a job offer. And I've actually found mm -hmm. a few people from Upwork that are now full time on our team. But yeah, that is awesome. Good to know. I, I literally, we have a Slack channel going on and I just wrote Upwork. <laughs> just so oh, I remember. I <laughs> That's awesome. am an Upwork like advocate, like to the ends of the world. Like I love Upwork. <laughs> That's so good to yeah. know. That's Can so I ask Cassie, how, um, so of the 10 full-time people on your team, what are the roles? Okay. So let's see. We have a head of product development. We have a me CEO. We have Sam, who's the COO and CFO. That's like dual right now. I mean, everyone wears <laughs> a million hats. Um, we have a director of partnerships who also is our like project manager. Um, we have lead social media, but that's more for like pop flex and like the other brands, um, not like blog a lot. No one touches that. We have business development or something, but she also like runs the pop Pilates and fitness program. Um, we have a senior graphic designer and like lead visual content. Um, that's mostly like marketing for pop flex and things like that. All our newsletters that go out banners on the website. We have a two technical designers for pop flex. There. Daniel is our lead artist for bloggy comics. So we have a mm -hmm. comics page. So that's him. And then I'm the 10th one. Well, Cassie, what I love about your work is that you don't just promote exercise. You promote an overall healthy lifestyle and positive body image. But this transition from a fitness instructor to a role model in the fitness industry, that sounds like it's a really scary transition. Not only are you expected to just give great workouts, you're expected to be this poster child for what a healthy, active person looks like, thinks like, talks like, eats like. And in this world where body image is such a sensitive topic, and I feel like no opinion seems like the right opinion, how do you maintain your own self-image and passion for your work with so much negative criticism out there? It's really, really hard. So I have to answer this question by talking about my 90 day journey that I went through um, a couple years ago. So basically uh, at that point, I think maybe this was 2019 or something. I had been online for so long, uh, 10 years, and really had, d had dwindled down to a vanilla cupcake because I was so scared of being myself because it always offended somebody. So I felt like I couldn't say anything anywhere. Everything I said had to be so bland. Um, and I started to lose my sense of self. And I was really unhappy online. Like, I didn't know who I was going to be. And people were saying, like, why, why do you not have abs, but you teach, like, an ab program? Like, why do you have lower, like a lower belly and a flat butt? Like just like really, really mean things. Like why, why don't you look like everyone else? Just like stupid stuff. When I had originally gone on YouTube to teach, not like become a fitness supermodel or something like that. Nobody's asking for that. But I think in the age of Instagram and TikTok now, like people will buy programs literally based on how the person looks. And like, that is not how it works. Like I under, like I'm not a billboard for my workouts. Like I'm a teacher so that you can, find the best version of yourself. So it was really hard for me. And I, you know, it was just after a retreat I had gone to, I came to this realization that 
I was no longer living for me. I was living for other people. And that's why I was so unhappy. And this is also like post like toxic work culture stuff. I was just really not feeling it. I was like, you know what? I need a rehaul, need to live my life as I would like to do it. And so I was like, I'm going to go on a fitness journey. And yes, this is definitely going to involve weight loss because I need to like lift weight off of my shoulders, but, and also do things in a fitness way that are still, well, they'll actually lean out my body at the same time. Anyway, I solve a lot of problems through fitness and it just, I like that grind and, you know, getting through something hard just makes me feel good. Mm. So anyway, I posted um, that my goal was to get in the best shape of my life mentally, physically, and emotionally. And I wrote down all of my body stats, like how much I weighed, like my measurements, like everything like went so like vulnerable, right? Like stripped down to my bikini and like showed them what my before body looked like and that I'm going to go change. And this upset a lot of people because people – See, well, people, okay, I don't want to, like, put anyone in a corner, but because I didn't look like your typical fitness instructor, I was, like, slight, slightly bigger, I guess, even though I'm, like, you know, I'm, I'm not obese, like, I, I'm not, I, people wouldn't even consider me fat, but I just didn't look, I was just a little softer, right? Because I was a little softer, the media had put me in the body positive category, and so during body positivity times, um, Anytime somebody would write about me, it would be like Cassie Ho, comma, like body positive, like activist or something says, whatever. That was like my coined role. And so during that time, I had gained a lot of body positivity, like, you know, lovers, like in my fan base. So when I announced that I was going to lose weight, all of those people felt like I had turned on them, had told them. Somehow they thought that me losing weight meant that they had to lose weight and that I and they started calling me names, calling me a hypocrite, saying that, like, I'm ashamed to all women in the world and I should stop doing what I'm doing, that I have a mental disorder, like all I mean, it was crazy. And then, like, that went crazy in media as well. But I was like, you know what? I have made a statement that I'm going to live this life for me. So all this stuff that's happening right now, that stuff cannot bother me because I'm here for me right now. I need to find my spine so that I can, like, keep doing what I'm doing. And so I went on this 90 day journey where I was going to blog every day because blogging and writing has always been my therapy, but I stopped doing it because again, I was in the vanilla cupcake phase where I didn't want to say anything. So I went from seven days of blogging a week to one a month. Like it was like that bad. You could see me dying out. Mm. Um, I could see myself dying out too. And so I blogged every day, told people what I ate, how it was working out, how I was feeling. And eventually like over the 90 days, I gained so much confidence just like in the way that I felt and I did have a transformation it was physical but it was more internal and no one will be able to like understand that unless they've gone through it but the crazy thing is after my 90 day journey like the Cassie that came out at the end of that she was reborn and that version of me is who I am today and I really do believe that that confidence that I gained throughout those 90 days trickled into the rest of my business into everything else and has really gifted me with like where I am now with everything but I needed to go through that and yeah I lost fans I lost followers people called me things but if I didn't do that I would not be where I am today yeah I mean how do you deal with all of that negative criticism is it just relying on Sam as your support network or do you go to therapy <gasps> like I mean like for ABG we've gotten yeah. some criticism too and Ugh. someone was like you know when you get criticism that means you're attracting an audience that wasn't there with you before or, you know maybe they're like really invested in you trying to see a positive side of it but it's still hard you know we still take that stuff to heart yeah how have you dealt with all of the negative criticism 
So I try to talk to Sam about it, but there's only so much he can understand because he's not a girl. He's not me. Mm -hmm. Like, he's not, like, gone through weight issues. Um, So I probably should see a therapist. Like, I've actually been thinking about it. I've gotten some recommendations from friends um, because it's a lot to handle. I do also try to talk to other people in the space who might understand. But, like, I mean, my own situation is so unique to itself. Uh, but I do think it's important to talk it out. I'll try to talk to my sister about it. But again, it's limited. And it's something that I, when things are happening and it's bad, like, you have to talk things out. Otherwise, it builds up as something really toxic inside of you can eat away at you. Mm. Um, luckily, right now, I'm in a good place. But I, I do want to try therapy um, to see like, to, to get to know myself better. I think that would be cool. Yeah. yeah. Knowing that, you know, for a lot of our listeners are growing up in today's world where Instagram and TikTok, everything is so, almost every individual has a public image versus their personal image of themselves. Mm-hmm. What tips would you have for someone, like given your own personal experience of how to balance that, of how to balance like, you know, dealing with, with people having a strong opinion of you and being able to, and anyone being able to vocalize that and you really holding on to your own personal idea of yourself it's hard and i don't think it stops becoming hard um especially if you really care about your craft and that's why like when you guys i think are getting criticism about what you're doing and you put your entire heart and soul into what you do with the best intentions and someone is able to somehow take that twisted and say that no you actually meant to do this and you're hurting me like it's really hard and I at the end of the day like I'm a person and I am affected by these comments and like you know Sam will be like oh don't worry it's just a comment (laughs) again it's like but like it still hurts and like I think there's a difference between you know the straight up hateful stuff which is one thing those I can turn off because it's just like you just have issues like go like project somewhere else (laughs) but then there's the stuff that like you know, longtime fans, like, see something that they don't like and they harshly criticize. And, like, maybe there is, like, a, like an inkling of truth in it, and that's why it hurts even more, right, because you're mm-hmm. semi-aware of it. Um, and so I think when you're able to separate, like, the pure hate from the criticism and then take the criticism and help it improve you or your business, then I think that's how you can actually deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, but I feel like if you care about your craft, it's not going to stop hurting any less. Uh, because you're just so connected to it. That's a that's a really beautiful way to articulate it, to say, like, it's not to just turn it off completely and disregard it, but to really know how to sift through what is just pure hate versus what is something that I can take positively out of this and make it constructive and work for me, you know? So um, thank you for sharing that. I, I was able to take what seemed like pure hate, maybe it was pure hate, and actually turn it into something viral. So, mm, so that's interesting yeah. too, because so back on, on YouTube when I was getting all of those, like, your fat, like comments, like just like really like unnecessarily mean stuff. Um, your waist should be smaller. Your butt is so flat. You should be bigger. I actually took those comments and I created a YouTube video where I photoshopped myself to look like what they wanted me to look like. And so I gave myself huge boobs, like a teeny waist, like big hips and like changed the color of my eyes and stuff, made them bigger. And then that video and with the screenshots of their actual comments, went viral and it was like good morning america talked about it the today show like it went like crazy viral and so there are instances where you can take the energy that someone's like just like spewing at you and you can turn it on its head and make it work for you so i think you can always make it work but it, it does take you have to allow yourself to grieve and cry because there's a lot of crying with that and then you have to get to a point where you feel stable and you're like okay well what can i do with this you can get really creative too. And given that you've been, you've, you know, walked through all of these 
years of so much interaction, what do you, from your memory, recollect to be the um, best thing that you've heard from the public about you? And then conversely, what has been the worst thing that you've heard? Oh, the best thing and the worst thing. Um, The worst thing that I've heard is someone said that if you cared about your career, you would lose some weight. That was mm. attacking my worth ethic and my body all in one. And that made me so mad. And that was actually the comment that started off that whole viral video that I did. I hate, I hate that comment so much because how you dare you say that my body has anything to do with like my, like what my work is. Right. Um, and the best thing that someone has said, um, <laughs> maybe is the moment when Taylor Swift tweeted that she did the hunt blog a hundred ab challenge. I think I straight up just died because I love Taylor. And so that, that was like the coolest thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. So many extremes though that you have to yeah. deal with. The, oh, so cool that Taylor Swift did your workout. That's amazing. I, Wait, so Cassie, what is it like to work with Sam, who is amazing, your husband? What is it like to work with him? Like, how do you, how do you balance your personal versus professional relationship working with them eating with them, sleeping in the same bed with them. Like, how do you separate that? Um, we don't separate it. Maybe that's part of the problem. <laughs> but we're actually, I'm, just, I'm so lucky that we can work together because we have really different strengths. Like, actually, like, where I struggle, he is a superstar and, like, vice versa. And so I think we really respect each other's, like, opinions and boundaries when it comes you know, to one person wanting to have an opinion in a certain space, but then knowing like, okay, at the end of the day, like you like make the final decision there because that's like what you're good at. Um, but then again, like, of course we're flexible and we allow ideas like on the other side, like if Sam like has an idea for like fashion or something, like sometimes they're good. Many times they're not, but like, I'll listen to him, you know? Um, <laughs> But I, I really, I'm, I'm really grateful and I feel really lucky that we can work together because I know it's something that is not easy to work with family and we eat together, we're in the same room working together every day. And I think what we need to work on is carving out time and space to just be husband and wife. I think that's really, really important. And I'm bad at that because I constantly have ideas and I tell people all the time, like the day I stop having ideas is the day I die. So mm. I just need to figure out like how to like switch off fully on the weekend or something so that we can mm. like find more time to be with each other. But we just went on our honeymoon a few months ago, three years after our wedding date. And it was <laughs> so cool because we like took 14 days in like French Polynesia. And it was like better yeah. than even pictures. It was like so good. And we truly enjoyed being able to just be husband and wife for 14 days that I'm booking us um, another tropical trip like this winter so we can like focus on that right now I feel like our balance is like go hard and then like rest hard for a little bit and then go hard mm. right I don't know how to do that on the daily yet that's something we're working mm. on but um, maybe booking more travel will help <laughs> is yeah. that is that also Sam's natural state to just be like work 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 mode or is he always no. asking you like no, <laughs> no, I'm the crazy. Like I am just insane. And he like, just like he, he's like the type that like, 
can be content with like what we have and like this is good and I'm like no but why can't we do more like think bigger like stuff like that it like stresses him out um mm-hmm. but eventually like he'll he'll like be like okay oh, this is cool like like I, I like the growth and stuff like that but yeah. no like Sam is like like more of the zen state person and I'm not yeah. I'm constantly I, moving and it's a problem you guys are time. so complimentary for each other it's I just know. it's wild I love it's, it it's insane. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? I think because he also grew up with parents that weren't like, you have to get straight A's, like, or else, like, and stuff. Like, he, hmm. he's very, like, happy with, like, the present. Like, and I'm always, like, 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 once the thing has happened, I'm, like, on to the next. Let's plan, like, the next three years. Like, I need to work on being able to appreciate this moment. Otherwise, I'm going to die and still be thinking about, like, the next thing we have to do. I don't think it's healthy. <laughs> it's just um, it's the reality right now. And I know I need to work right. on it. Oh, well, it's beautiful that you guys have that balance and you have him to kind of anchor you down. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so as you've you know, explained, you're always having ideas. You're always doing things. Uh, we've talked about how you wear multiple hats. Mm-hmm. Three hats that we're particularly interested in okay. um, is your entrepreneur hat, a manager working you know, on a team like in your business, and as a creator. Mm-hmm. Between those three, which do you think is most challenging for you? Oh, the most challenging 100% is manager. Like, Mm -hmm. I did not realize until running this business and hiring people that management would be the hardest thing in the world about running a business because not you're kind of like, you're managing emotions and motivations and things like that. You're managing human beings. Like, if it came down to just like, hey, here's the deadline for the tax and get it done, like, no problem. Like, we could do that. But, like, getting people to be on board and, like, having the heart and soul that you have within. Look, it's never going to be, like, as much as, like, the owner or the founder has. But, like, still, like, that same vibe, like, that's really, really difficult. And, like, going through that whole toxic period with um, our earlier team, like, really taught me that management is something that I'm really bad at and then I need to work on. Luckily, uh, right now, I'm managing, like, yes, we have a team of 10, but, like, there are also, like, people who help manage people like I'm like in direct contact with like the design team because like that's natural for me like that's cool and that one isn't as much management as much like we're creating together so that's really fun Mm. um and then Sam's really good at like the management side making people like making sure that people are happy he also has a really good sense of people like when they're feeling stressed and like I think I do stress people out because I have all these ideas all the time and like the team will be working on something like oh my gosh like how about we do swimwear now and they're like oh my gosh like wait we're still working on 2022 like (laughs) so I I have to like hold back sometimes but yeah management is definitely the hardest part and again like I'm going to bring up working again it's been amazing because when you hire a freelancer, you can get a vibe of each other, like if it's going to work for them or work for you. But like when you're just like interviewing people, I feel like you have to make like a marriage proposal and then you kind of like mm. blindly go into this marriage without mm. really knowing like these people's like quirks and things that like make it work and make it not. And then you find out later on like, oh, like this is definitely not going to work. And it's just bad. And then it goes from straight up like blind date to marriage, to straight divorce. Like, it's, like, so yeah. hard. There's no dating period with hiring. I think that's actually really problematic. That's a that's a very good analogy, yeah. I mean, that's true. A lot of these, like, um, the influx of, of a lot of these, like, freelance kind of working together frameworks, there's a lot of positive to being able to test each other out before yeah. we commit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I guess one thing that we've tried to implement for ABG is that we have, like, a three-month contractual role, and then we'll see mm. how – we'll reevaluate at the end of that – 
And that's sort of like our buffer, just in, just in case so we're not like fully committed yet, but you know, just testing, testing the waters a little bit. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I love a good celebrity documentary. I think it's the psychoanalyst and detective in me that loves to get the behind the scenes look of people who lead lives that are so different from my own. If you're also into celebrity documentaries, I'd recommend you check out Even the Rich, a Wondery podcast co-hosted by Brooke and Arisha who share the stories behind some of the most famous and infamous celebrities in history. From Madonna to Britney Spears and from the Kardashians to the House of Gucci. In an all-new season, they investigate the shocking kidnapping of heiress Patty Hearst. This story involves a politically influential and affluent family and an urban guerrilla left-wing group. Wow, two very different sets of lives and experiences from my own. But I love how hearing about their stories allows me to empathize with and gain compassion for people who are so different than me. And if you want a little more Brooke and Arisha in your life, they're the perfect guides to give you your daily dose of celebrity gossip on Rich and Daily. Listen to Even the Rich, Patty Hearst, and Rich and Daily on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and you can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. All right, so I want to talk to you about Target. What a dream it must have been to have gotten a call from Target to say that they wanted you in their stores. How does that even feel? That is like the ultimate validation in life because in a way, it means that America has accepted your branding and what you stand for and want you to be in all of their stores nationwide. Like, let's let's step back for a moment and think about that first initial call that you got from them. How did that feel for you to pick up that call and be like, Target? Really? Yeah, I was like, okay, it was going to be a pitch, right? So it wasn't like definite. I had a chance to go pitch the product and see if they would take it. So I, in my head, was already like going to prepare for heartbreak because I think that helps make the blow easier if it doesn't happen. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go show them our best-selling products. And like, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't, whatever. And so did that, and it was such a scary meeting. Um, it was also really interesting because it brought me back to like my times at uh, that big corporation I worked for right out of college because mm. I was going to, I my big dream back then was to be someone like him who mm. was going to make the decision on taking brands into stores. And so it just like brought back all of these memories too, but now I'm sitting on the other side. Um, you know, it was crazy. I mean, we pitched and then we went home and we weren't sure if it was going to work out. And I just actually had erased it from my mind. And then two weeks later, we got the call that they're like, okay, we're ready to make a purchase order. And I was like, wait, what? Like, huh? And so that's when it got really exciting. We started designing stuff like exclusively for the stores. Um, and that was really fun. I wanted to definitely, you know, I'm so girly and like, I love how girly I am. So I was like, we are going to have like gold weights with muted tones and like everything's going to have florals. Like, I just like love that. And you know, it's you hate or you, I love it. So I was going to put that in all the stores. And 
the buyer like was all about the gold dumbbells and it was going to be mm-hmm. kind of a higher price point because that's like something you don't see. But mm-hmm. um, I was really confident about pitching that. And he was like, okay. So we ended up putting that in stores and it ended up becoming the number one seller for the Guadalajara line, which is really cool and really grateful wow. that he took a chance on something like that because they had never sold anything like that before. Um, but yeah, leading up to that though, we had some issues with the packaging and I had talked about this on Instagram a little bit, but they really wanted to put my face all over everything. And I kept saying like, oh no, 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 just put Blogilates, it's fine. And they're like, no, 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 we want your face. And I was like, no, 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 it's fine. And we went back and forth and like, I was even digging into like, why am I like saying no so hard? Like most people would want their face like plastered everywhere. And I was just like, no, just let the product speak for, speak for themselves, which is important too. I want Blogilates and Popflex to be brands that people like because of the quality and the promise of the product and not because it's related to Cassie Ho. Like that's how I know that I would have built a legacy brand. Um, but anyway, I dug down so deep and was like, Cassie, why don't you want your face on the packaging? And I actually found out through lots of deep digging that I didn't want the color of my hair and how I looked and like how small my eyes were to affect sales. Because I, I mean, I had this thought that if people saw someone that didn't look like them in a certain part of the country, that they wouldn't even want to, you know, buy my stuff. Like, that was, like, a real thought that I had. And I didn't even talk about that until, like, way later after launch because it came to me later why I was feeling that way. Um, But, yeah, I'm glad I did put my face on it because it did create that initial connection with fans or with, like, People who have heard of blog likes, oh, yeah, isn't that the girl like on YouTube or whatever? Like, that was a really good decision. I'm glad I went with that um, because why shouldn't I have, you know, just these, like, internal yeah. racist things that we have against ourselves. Like, thinking mm-hmm. that my race would affect sales and that if I couldn't sell enough and I couldn't be in Target again. Like, I mean, these were all, like, real conversations I was having in my head. Mm. We are so glad that you did put your face on it and it is mm-hmm. a beautifully packaged and marketed product and you look amazing in all of those images. Like, hello, it's Thank so you. good. <laughs> so I know with Target, there's not as much of a feedback form as a YouTube video in the comments section, mm. but did you actually get any negative feedback because they were like, oh, I don't want to buy this from this Asian fitness instructor because that was your fear, right? That was my fear. And I didn't know. I mean, the we had four months to prove ourselves on that end cap to see if Blogilates could make it for next season. And it sold out within like a few weeks. Like it was crazy. And so immediately the buyer was like, okay, we need to start thinking about next season. And so uh, just this fall 2021, Blogilates had its second wave, and in January 2022, we'll be in aisle and also on the end cap at the same time, and um, there's going to be kettlebells with, like, gold handles, and we're expanding the oh. lines. I'm, like, so excited. Yeah, all about that gold. That is so cool. Wait, so when you got the call from them, you had to create this exclusive line just uh-huh. for Target. So mm-hmm. you had put all of your energy into PopFlex. But were you able to take some of the products in PopFlex and transition that over to Target? Or did you have to like dig into the recesses of your mind to design something completely different for Target? And also, how long did it take from the moment <laughs> where they were like, we want you to do this stuff, and then you were you had to like produce the products for it? Yeah, I mean, the life... 
the lifetime of a product from like conception to like getting on shelves is generally like nine to 12 months. So that's around the timeline that we worked on it. Um, and everything at Target is exclusively a new design, but like mm. the products are proven on pop flex. So for example, our number one selling, one of our number one selling products is the vegan suede yoga mat. And so I made sure that we could have something like that for Target as well, but in a different color and a different print. So it would just feel mm. different. Um, so I think it was really nice for the buyer to see that these products do sell well to Cassie Ho fans and like what people at store might like too. So there was a revamp of designing, but not of like, not too much of development unless it was like uh, something brand new, like dumbbells, like a category mm. we have never done before. Uh, so yeah. I loved how you talked about um, how you're kind of struggling, like putting your, you know, your face on your products. And, you know, one thing that we kind of share in our podcast is that how like, you know, a lot of our girls, you know, work in corporate settings where they are one of the few Asian faces, you know, in their company and their industry. And I feel like you had similar experiences working in the fitness um, industry. How does it feel now to like gain such a strong traction in an industry where originally there weren't a lot of Asian faces? And how would you say the fitness world has shaped your personality and your perspective on life now? You know, it's interesting. I think because when I was growing up, I kind of was the only Asian person in my classes and stuff and I didn't like really notice it until later I kind of like approached what I was doing the same way like I'm just being a fitness instructor just as Cassie like I'm not trying to like be like the Asian face of something and it just so happened that you know when it when blog lice became a thing I realized like oh like let me look at these magazine covers Oh, they've only ever been white people. Okay, like I see that. Mm. Um, and so when Health Magazine put me on the cover, I I thought, I, w- I mean, I was so grateful for that because you could like go to the stands and see the lack of diversity. Like luckily, like today there's more and I'm so happy about that. Um, but yeah, it's interesting too because Asian people or at least like my body and, you know, friends that I'm surrounded by um, our body structure is different than like certain assets that are kind of like the ideal at the moment, right? Like the ideal Kim K body with like big boobs, a tiny waist, like huge hips. Like naturally, I don't look like that unless I get surgery. Like I just can't. And then some other, maybe other ethnicities are more like they have that in their genes. And so I think it's hard to when fitness is so like, your body is your billboard. And if my body doesn't fit into that, that also like lessens my chances at like certain opportunities too. When it comes to like having to look a certain way and I'm talking about like covers and things like that. But I think now the landscape has really started to embrace diversity and all like the, all our backstories and stuff. So I think that's really cool. And then what was your second question? I guess like how has the fitness world shaped your personality and your like perspective on life? It must be hard to because I feel like you lived your life like doing Pilates for the last 10 years. It's like part mm-hmm. of... Your, your day-to-day and your routine now, huh? It is. It is. I just, um, I don't know. Like, fitness is always, like, there's, like, trends all the time. I'm just, like, thinking how it has shaped my life because it, like, is my life, you mm-hmm. know? Um, Can I ask if uh, if it wasn't fitness, what do you think you would be doing? Mm-hmm. Like, if fitness is your oh. life, if what would be, if that was not an option or for whatever reason, if it was something different? If I wasn't doing what I'm doing right now, I would be 
designing evening gowns and bridal oh. wear. Like I, my heart is in like red carpet gowns and like all of, like I love like that's what I was drawing as a kid. It was strictly red carpet gowns with huge trains and like low V like plunging necklines and stuff. Like I love sparkles. I love all that stuff. So I'd be doing that. But you know, it's a long way from active wear to that. So I don't not sure that transition will ever happen. Dude, <laughs> your your Shang-Chi dress, Dude. I was just like, girl, holy moly, risky and beautiful. Oh so I, beautiful. That was like that was so fun. That was so so fun. <laughs> was that your first time creating a dress? Yeah. Like that? Yeah. For a red carpet premiere? Yeah. Well, first of all, I've never been to a premiere at all. And so, yeah, that was definitely my first time wearing my own dress to a red carpet premiere. But the only ever time, other time I'd ever done anything close, well, nothing ever came, has ever come close. But uh, I, like, designed my prom dresses or designed prom dresses for friends, mm-hmm. like, stuff like that, like, costumes for dance recitals. But nothing at that level ever. Wow. All right. We're going to eventually, five years from now, start seeing some active wear with, like, tutus on it or like dresses. Oh, <laughs> a train. Well, Actually, yeah. they'll be longer dresses. you know <laughs> do you know what so like we launched these active skirts these running skirts like the uh, oh. a couple months ago and they like sold out so fast because i think they're people just need to feel girly while they're working i'm not the only one yeah. i swear so actually <laughs> um next year we're gonna be launching active dresses so i'm so excited oh. about that yeah. with like you know Think about like like te- like tennis dresses, right? But like for running yeah, yeah. and stuff, yeah. I'm so excited. Cute. That's, cute. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> well, we're heading near the end of our conversation now, Cassie. So we're hoping that you can leave our listeners with some more nuggets of advice. Uh, we are wondering what's the best advice that you've ever received and if there was one piece of advice you could give to our listeners out there of Asian Boss Girls, what would it be? Mm. So the best piece of advice I ever got was from a talk that I heard while in college and an entrepreneur came to speak to our class and he said, if you don't give yourself the 100% chance to succeed, you'll never know. And like, as you can see through this interview, like I told you, like, I don't want to live a life of what ifs and stuff and that honestly was the thing that like shifted my mindset to not being afraid of failing um, and just giving yourself a chance to try things out. And you know what? Sometimes it's not going to hit and sometimes it's going to hit really hard, but you have to know. And that would definitely be my best piece of advice that I could leave um, for Asian boss girls. Thank you. We love that. That's mm-hmm. I think believing in yourself. If you have any type of inkling um, really, really, pushing it and it coming from a place of self-worth, I think is a beautiful message. Thank you. That was great advice. We wanted to end this podcast, Cassie, with like a fun fire round. Ooh. Asking just a few questions. Um, so I'll start us off. I say fire round, but let's just see how the questions go. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm like, are you fun, fun I'm fire? <laughs> yeah. I'm reading my first question. I'm just like, is this a fire round question? Okay. What are two things that you do to stay motivated and inspired? This is not a fire round. <laughs> <laughs> You can't have two questions in one. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, what makes me motivated? Um, I like growth. And what keeps me positive? Um, if I'm going to say fire round, then I really like ube milkshakes. That keeps me super positive. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite item in the Popflex or Blog Lottie's Target collection? Oh, um, 
I really like the gold dumbbells. That's from the mm. Blood Lotties line. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a fellow lover of Trader Joe's, I'm curious, what are your top three favorite TJ items? Oh my gosh, so many. Okay, teeny tiny avocados, the oat milk, and um, oh my gosh, the butter lettuce. Oh, my fave. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Yes. I okay. Nice. This is gonna sound crazy, but I buy six butter lettuce bags at a time because mm. I eat like one to two a day. Wow. <laughs> is it, wow. Is it, is it yeah. different from a Ralph's or a different grocery store? Well, okay. The Ralph's they add like other leaves in there, and I don't oh, like I them. The butter lettuce from Trader Joe's is like sweet, and I have not found any other place that sells it cut up and just like at that like. Mm. texture anywhere else it's straight like if i do a costco round or go to ranch 99 like there's i do like four four at least four supermarkets because everyone has something and at trader joe's it's the butter lettuce that keeps me like i have to do a Mm. round at trader joe's Mm. yeah yeah i gotta check that out yeah what are your current top two personal fitness goals Ooh, my current top two fitness goals. Um, I want to run faster. I, I suck at running, but, you know, it's one of those things where it's hard and I just want to be better at it. And my second fitness goal is to get more flexible. I want to be able to do a standing split unassisted, and I cannot. So, yeah. <laughs> Damn. Wow. That's a hard <laughs> I can't even do a I can't even do a sitting split or a <laughs> 75 degree. Split. I can't even do anything. Okay. <laughs> And last question, what is next for Cassie and Blogilates? Ooh, what is next for Cassie and Blogilates? Um, so much. I plan on releasing more collections for PopFlex next year, um, expanding, expanding different lines and categories of products that we're in. And I just want to just keep designing. I'm just like, it literally fills my heart with so much. And I'm just so grateful that I get to be creative every day. And hopefully... Um, our team will continue to grow with the same energy, um, same type of passion from these people. And I just feel like I am so lucky that they came into my lives because into my life, because without them, I wouldn't be able to do as much as I am doing today. So I just want to like keep growing. It's just like so fun. Well, thank you so much, Cassie, for being on our podcast today. I feel like this was a longer episode than normal, but (laughs) We are so engaged with everything that you're saying mm-hmm. and all of the golden nuggets that you're leaving for our listeners out there. Is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners as somewhat of a closing statement? Ooh, a closing statement? Um, I mean, I just <laughs> want to say that I'm so excited to be on Asian Boss Girl because I love everything that you guys are doing. And um, I mean, I lived that corporate life and I'm living the entrepreneur life. So like literally like whatever works for you, just like make sure that you do love what you're doing every day because there's no point if you don't because we're all going to die. And if, if you're going to die not having loved your daily, then that just makes me really mm. sad. So yeah. Like, so, you know, if you have to quit your job and like, do it, but do it smart. Like, like do a little at a time and see if it works. Because I, you know, I've heard those people saying like, oh, just like quit your job and like, you'll figure it out. Like, you know, some people, some people might not figure it out. So like, let's be safe yeah. first financially and then, you know, then figure it out. <laughs> so yeah. That's hilarious. Cause that is the <laughs> advice that we give all the time. <laughs> do it, but do it smartly. Yeah. Because yes. yeah. smart about it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Cassie. It was a pleasure to have you on our podcast. Thank you so, so much. And everyone, look out for Cassie's at Blogilates on all the social platforms. You can continue to follow her there. Thank you. 
If you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and share this episode with your friends. You can also support us through monthly donations at anchor.fm slash asianbossgirl slash support, or get some merch at asianbossgirl.myshopify.com. If you resonated with today's episode, let us know in the comments of our IG post. And if you'd like to put faces to our names, you can find us on YouTube. Our handle on both platforms is at asianbossgirl. And some shoutouts for today's episode, Thomas in Los Angeles is wishing a happy birthday to Melissa, his favorite ABG. I love you and wish your greatest wishes come true. From Brent in Belmont, California to Heidi, aka String and Fabric, happy 24th birthday, keep being an ABG. Kelly in Houston, Texas is sending a shout out to her Ate Larissa, I love you so much and am genuinely thankful to have a big sis like you in my life. From Lillian in Orange County, California, shout out to my ABGs, Kelly and Eileen. Y'all are the best and most inspiring support team I can ask for. Can't wait to see what 2022 brings us and wherever life takes us, know that I'll be rooting for you, queens. From Nikki and NYC to Jacqueline and Tracy, love these double shout outs. Happy birthday, my apartment F homies. Wish we could be celebrating together. From Brandon in San Diego to Janet, name twin, <laughs> the biggest birthday wish of the girl with the biggest heart. Happy 24th birthday, boo. From Raheel in New Jersey to Sim, Happy birthday, Sim. You're one of the kindest souls I know, always uplifting everyone you meet. You deserve the best of the best. From Tracy in Arizona, happy birthday, Lina and Hannah in Santa Ana, California, wishing you girls a year filled with adventures and delicious food. Love you guys from your cousins in Arizona. If you'd like to send a few words of encouragement or a shout out to a friend, check out the link in the show description or our link tree in our link in bio on Instagram and click on shout outs. And last but not least, thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all her magic on our episodes, including this one. And with that, we will catch you all on the next episode. Bye! Bye.